1: Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy Bake oven.
2: Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 929 FM, ESPN. Happy Wednesday out there. December 20th, 2023. Just hours after what I think was the best day in Memphis sports of the year. John Morant, buzzer beater, his first game back. Tiger basketball handles business by 23 over a a 22 ranked team. And then we had a stadium resolution that passes through city council. One without drama. We'll talk about that. But now the University of Memphis owns Simmons Bank Liberty Statement. It's unbelievable the day we are coming off of. And there's going to be a lot of positivity on the Gabe Kuhn Show today. And I am your host, Gabe Kuhn. Former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Kuhn71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 99. Connor, how are you feeling, man? Oh, it's a beautiful day. Did we have to give you some ibuprofen? I know I gave you a... Uh, a uh, bottle of Old Dom, and I know you probably had a, cele- a celebratory
0: glass or two last night. Yeah, maybe. The, let's just say that maybe sipping on it to uh, deal with what I was watching in the first half became sipping on it to celebrate what I saw in the second half.
2: What an unreal finish last unreal. night. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. But was hey, was Old Dom good? Old Dom was great. It's phenomenal, is It's it phenomenal. That bottled in bond, Tennessee Woo! whiskey, that, that'll do. That'll do. But welcome in. Three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. We'll get to overreaction and not an overreaction about what we saw last night. And uh, there's a lot to overreact, not an overreact to, whatever. But it is is a phenomenal day. We'll also talk about early signing day. And it looks like the University of Memphis uh, football program, Ryan Silverfield, that staff, they're doing an unreasonably good job. Um, I know people have turned a blind eye to it because we have a lot of other things going on. and It is a, it is a B or C story today. But uh, definitely, if, if you can, go take a look at uh, what this staff is accomplishing on the uh, recruiting front. Signed a four-star, a top five recruit in uh, school history. Um, and Keande Henry, who is a wide receiver out of Dallas. And then also in the transfer portal rankings, don't look now. Don't look now. But they're number twelve in the twelve in the country. There's no other group of five team who's in the top twenty in the country. But the Tigers have put themselves in the transfer portal rankings at number twelve, right there around the likes of Oklahoma and schools of that ilk. Unbelievable job! Unbelievable job! Now we'll take a trip around the NFL at five thirty. Small talk at five fifty. We'll get into the blitz and talk about this recruiting class at uh, six thirty, as well as uh, some good news on the Memphis Grizzlies front. Good injury news. Um, so that'll be fun to talk about. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins, daily Miffin columnist, Jeff Calkins show at five o'clock and then six o'clock, Ty Richardson from ESPN, Arkansas, to talk everything college football, early signing day college football playoff. He'll give you his picks at about six thirty. Um, but I, I just, I can't, I can't fathom, you know, going into last night, you have high hopes. Cause you're going to see job ja back on the floor. Uh, you feel like this Tiger team was going to be able to handle Virginia at home. Um, but at the same time, you didn't know. You know There's a lot of unknown about what it was going to look like because of Virginia's style. Uh, we were also waiting on that resolution. Every single thing came together as good and as positive as humanly possible. And uh, let's just go ahead. I, I want uh, you know, John Morant's buzzer beater to do the talking to, to start this show. You know what? Uh, Connor, go ahead and play it.
0: If you're a last-minute gift shopper, oh then no! We no, got hit with an, an ad. Oh, no, Connor!
2: Come on, we man! He got hit with an ad. Come on! The setup was great, no, Connor. Was great. What it was are right we doing?
0: There. It was right what there. are we
2: doing? We'll wait for it. We'll wait for it. There it is. Now run it back. Three there we go. This <laughs> offer is
0: valid for a limited dollars oh minimum per order. Additional terms apply <laughs> must be 21 plus to purchase Connor. alcohol where available. Three seconds. Morant in the lane. Spins, hangs, floats. It's good. Zero's on the clock.
2: Morant wins the game. It is returned. <laughs> 25 games later, the Grizzlies have shown they are gonna make a charge back into the
1: Western Conference picture. Oh, my goodness.
2: Great play by John What? And an unreasonably good call by Eric Hasseltine with the Memphis Grizzlies radio network. Um, For him to be able to have that type of emotion in that moment and not get overwhelmed by the moment, I thought that was crazy. I think we were all Michael Wallace in that situation, weren't we? Just smiling, grinning from ear to ear. How the hell is this possible on night one of him returning? Zero seconds on the clock, floater in the lane on a guy who will likely be on the all-defensive team this year on the wing and Herb Jones. To be able to do that on the road after not playing the first 25 games back, you just you don't have words for it. And, and I said this on the artist, artist formerly known as Twitter on X last night. Hollywood doesn't even write scripts that well. It just, it, it is, it encompasses... The frustration we've had, it encompasses who John Morant is as a basketball player, and in night one, 34, 6, and 8 in his return game, and the game winner right there at the buzzer. I just, I don't have enough words to describe the the feeling of jubilation, the high that you felt after watching that on TNT. Now, I wish that Brevin and uh, Pete could have been on the call for something like that. Um, but to see the TNT crew call it the way they did, to hear Eric on the call the way he uh, so eloquently put it, you just heard it a second ago, that was phenomenal. It was just unreal what we got to watch put on display last night by John Moran.
0: It felt like an exorcism of every all of the demons from the rest of the season that happened last night. It was, it's one of my favorite Grizzlies wins of all time. I really do think that. I cannot believe in his first game back, he led them back from 24 down and hit a buzzer beater. It was, like you said, it was a storybook way to come back that you cannot write. There is no way any of us thought a John Morant buzzer beater was coming in his first game back. And on top of it, he looked phenomenal. He looked great. He looked like John Morant. And it's amazing. This
2: team is 7-19. and 7-19. and 19. Still in just a terrible spot. When it comes to the Western Conference standings, the NBA standings, if you're thinking about playoffs, you don't feel good still. But it felt like in one night, in one game, John Morant's return. felt like he flipped the feelings and the trajectory of the season in that one night. And I don't feel like I'm overstating. Because you saw Josh on the sideline. The, the, they were smiling. They were mobbing him on the sideline. He says, I'm a dog. That's why I don't care. I'll go out there and make these things happen regardless of the situation. It felt like you flipped all of the bad feelings on their head with one shot with one night. That was unreal.
0: It was unreal. And I understand, you know, this team still has a lot of issues personnel-wise and they have a lot more winning to do. And there's still a possibility that they don't even make it to the play-in. But last night... And right now is a moment I think that Grizzlies fans can appreciate and enjoy because it has been difficult. It has been a tough road the last eight, nine months to be a Grizzlies fan. It has been a lot of bad news. And it felt like last night it finally felt like something broke our way for the first time in a long time. It felt like something broke your way. And then on top of it. You get some Brandon Clark news today, and it just feels like the tides have turned a little bit. We talked about yesterday, you know, you've said many a time that the playoffs and the play-in aren't necessarily what matters to you anymore. What matters to you is playing good basketball, again, having fun out there, and enjoying the season, and having a bit of hope. Give us a light at the end of the tunnel. And last night felt like a step in that direction. It felt like, okay, that is a real possibility, because this team had a swagger about him last night that just hasn't been around without John ja Moran yep. Out there on the court, the way they were moving, the way guys were playing together, it looked different. The defense was really good yes. last night. I thought the defensive sets were pretty good last night, and their performance was was solid. So, again, is this going to fix everything? No. But right now, enjoy it. Yep. Enjoy it, Grizz fans. No question.
2: Enjoy it. And this does lead me, if Connor's ready. Uh, Connor, are you ready for this? Relax. Give me a second. <laughs> Relax. Relax. <laughs> this does lead me to... Uh, to what we start every single Wednesday with, we get to overreaction and not an overreaction. Now, it's overreaction or not an overreaction. We are
1: the wild and crazy guy.
2: That's crazy. Chill, homie. On the game, Gujo from 92.9. The but, folks on X are cooking you right now.
0: No, You're they're getting not. Cooked. No, no,
2: I'm You're not. getting cooked. No,
0: they do not. You're getting cooked. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. The ads happen. Sorry. (laughs) The return of Ja led to a win on the road in New Orleans. The Tigers basketball team got another top 25 win as they beat Virginia by 23 in the city of Memphis. Voted to transfer ownership of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium to the University of Memphis. Yesterday was the best sports day of 2023 in the city of Memphis. Overreaction, not an overreaction. Not an overreaction.
2: And... Uh, the reason I say this is that, yeah, there's been some very solid sports days. Like when you look at the beginning of uh, the calendar before it flipped, the Grizzlies had some good moments. The Tigers a- in the tournament, there were some good moments. Like beating Houston um, in the, uh, in the uh, AAC championship, that was a massive moment. But the reason this moment takes the cake, cake, this yesterday takes the cake, is because there was a lot of negative throughout the year. Let's be honest. Um, John Morant missing out on a Power 5 bid with the Big 12, supposedly visiting Memphis, but they didn't actually visit Memphis. At least that's not what they're saying. Um, Tiger basketball team gets knocked out in the first round by FAU, and you saw what could have been because FAU makes a run to the Final Four. The reverse of, you know, all the negative – that we've seen this entire year. The Grizzlies starting 6-19 and is another example of that. The reverse of all that in one night to flip on its head before we turn the calendar year over to 2024, that's what makes it so much more special because you can't have the highs without the lows. And we had so many lows leading up to last night. To have that high, to have that emotional moment, It felt different. It felt palpable. It felt like we all shared the exact same experience. That's why I put it at the top of the list when it comes to sports days in the city of Memphis in 2023. I don't think it's particularly close. Every bit of good news that you could possibly have before we turn the calendar
0: to 2024, we hit last night. It was unbelievable. It really, I, I've already said it, it felt like an exercising of demons. Like, it felt like every single Memphis fan. One, the Tigers game was a joy to watch. It was an ass kick. Easy. One of the it best ass kickings I've ever and seen we'll the get Tigers to that in a Tigers basketball team too. have over a ranked team. You felt confident from the moment the game started. And I think, what was it, like 13-1? to 1? Like, you blinked and it was 13-1. to 1. You're like, okay, this Tigers team is, there's something different. So, having that and then immediately getting the John Morant return game winner... It just felt like a a long time coming. You know, it really yep. did. Like you said there'd been a bunch of bad news the last few months and finally you you like the stadium stuff went through. There is hope there for maybe getting into a Power 5 for the and Tigers. The Big 12, the Big uh, 12 power
2: conferences put on notice by the stadium renovations that are on the way.
0: Yeah, and then you have the transfer portal stuff and the recruiting trail for the t- Tigers football team. It just feels like for the first time in a long time all of the teams in the city are moving in the right direction when it felt like for a moment that they were either kind of frozen in place or moving backwards. But right now, as of this moment, it feels like all of the teams have taken a step in the right direction, and then the stadium stuff, the renovations, all that stuff is a go. I really do think it was a legendary day for Memphis sports and certainly the best day of 2023 and maybe one of the best days they've ever in the city.
2: Now, on, on on it's it's one I'll remember for quite a while. Like I'm going to be completely My honest voice
0: with is it. Can you tell how hoarse I am today? <laughs> yeah. This is from screaming after John Morant hit the game winner last night. It was I think I blacked out. <laughs> it was euphoric.
2: Yeah, and I think for for you know the the team that felt the flip of fortunes the most by far is the grizzlies right like i don't think there's any debate there like flipping the feelings trajectory of the season in one night I, I, again a smiling mobbing john post game after a buzzer beater after a win that have, a win that has eluded them all year i mean their seventh win of the year, And then also on top of that, Connor, you start to pay attention to some of the good news that may be coming on the way. Marcus Smart likely to play at some point this week. Uh, you have Brandon Clark. We got an update on Brandon Clark. He may be back by the All-Star break. Everything seemed to flip in the direction of positivity for the Grizzlies where we have been just hoping for positivity all year with this team. I still think there's some people out there doing a little bit too much with the Taylor Jenkins rotations game one back. What'd you think about all that? I, I see there's a lot of people talking about uh, John Morant not playing enough in the first half. They were down 17 uh, when they brought him back. I, I think Taylor Jenkins decided that he was just going to play John Stinson his, his first game back in the first half. I thought it was unsurprising. But the Grizzlies died a fast death when he was out of that game, and I think a lot of people took that, took that to heart and were very frustrated with Taylor Jenkins. But I, I just I, to those people, what I would say is ultimately – In the end of the day, this was game one of Ja back. I don't think you can make a sweeping generalization, a sweeping indictment of Taylor Jenkins based on the first half of the first game back for John Morant. Because in the second half, let's be honest, adjustments were made, and he played, what, 20 of his 34 minutes in the second half? He barely left the floor. So there were adjustments made along the way. I think there's a lot of uh, people that still are holding on to those negative vibes from Taylor Jenkins. I think the the 6 and 19 has really – Sent people down this, this path of uh, this war path with Taylor Jenkins.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's, it does feel like we have kind of gotten to a point where if they lose, it's because of Jenkins, but if they win, it's in spite of him. And I'm just right. not quite sure I, that's where it is. Uh, listen, the first half, I didn't like some of the rotations I saw, some of the lineups course. were a bit silly. And, but the reality of this basketball team right now is that when Jaws on the floor, a light gets flipped for them. They're a good team. When he's not on the floor, they're the six win team. They're, yep. the, they're the, they're the six-win team. And, you know, that goes back to the personnel issues that this team has at the core of it. It's it's the Brandon Clark injury. It's the Steven Adams injury. It's the Luke Kennard. It's it's the Zaire not working out. It's the Ravia not working out. It's Roddy being hit or miss. He's been kind of inconsistent recently. Vince Williams Jr. had another great game. By the way, the game turned... After Vince Williams Jr. hit that three and started talking, his his mess. Well, and I, I can see And also you with Vince, with
2: Vince Williams Jr., isn't it very clear that he is just going to consistently be in the starting lineup at least until they add more bodies and Marcus Smart? I comes think back until Mark and see that type of thing. And even with Marcus Smart coming back, I think I think there's some people talking about bench roll for him. We'll see how that all all plays out. But Vince Williams Jr. our one question: Can he knock down the sh- open shots when Jock ja collapses the defense? He showed last night he can do that. Yes. He showed that he was three for six, three for five from three. He and, and, and he was seven rebounds, three assists, didn't turn the ball over at a high level, played really good defense the entire night, chasing around Brandon Ingram as best as he could, even though he's getting peeled off of him by screen after screen after screen. Uh, did a good job on C.J. McCollum when he got the opportunity. Vince Williams Jr. has been uh, a, a, a light, a light with this, this tough start. Um Also, and back to the Taylor Jenkins thing, I have no problem with him managing his minutes and staggering them toward the second half, at least in that first game. That's winning time. That's when you're supposed to do it. And besides, I don't know (laughs) if—and some people will blame this directly on Taylor Jenkins for not having Ja out there because maybe he could have gotten some of these things in order or at least uh, overcome some of these issues— but I, I thought they just had a bad first half. Ultimately. I mean they just couldn't hit one at the top of the they, boat. They they had, t- <laughs> they, stopped they had making shots. They had ten turnovers to the Pelicans <laughs> two. They shot twenty-five percent from three. And Des, let's be completely honest about Desmond Bain's first half, it was bad. It was just truly bad. I think he was, by the end of it, four for sixteen from the field, and he I think one or two for nine from three. Like they, it's hard to overcome those things regardless. Um but I, I I don't think that we need to have these sweeping indictments of, of Taylor Jenkins just yet. If we get down the road um, and he's still doing these same things with John Morant's minutes in the first half, then we can have these discussions. Um, and, and just so we're clear, I don't think he's perfect. I'm not like the biggest Taylor Jenkins fans, fan in the world, but I just think we're jumping the gun to a certain extent yeah. with discussing who he is as a coach, and making these indictments. Because I think there has been times where he's made adjustments. There's also times where he has struggled and sort of flopped around out there sure. and not run out the the, the right lineups. Um, but at the same time, some things, I mean, last night, that first half, sometimes things just don't go as planned. That's what I chalked it up to.
0: Yeah, and I do think a lot of people are, are kind of, killing him today about his quote, that they finally executed his game plan. He was clearly a tongue-in-cheek thing. Like, I don't think he was being dead serious when he said right. that. And some people are taking it as him being very serious. If, it's like, okay, let's relax if, a bit. If, Here's the thing. I understand the doubts about Taylor Jenkins. I get them. I understand them. There are some question marks that I do feel need to be answered by the end of this season. However, I don't know if it is fair to judge him right now. It's There were some question marks, and I do think there were some concerns about him and maybe the long-term, if he is the long-term answer for a coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. But I want to see what it looks that. like when the roster gets a little bit healthier. I need to see what it looks like when he has better personnel because they did make second-half adjustments, and they worked. Their defense was different. They are yeah. running a bit more offense. They were running through John Morant more. He clearly told him, go score. Go score. That's what he told him to do. I just, I'm not, I'm not interested in having conversations every single game about his Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails. Yes, and then it gets and then, it gets old. And, yes. and at some and point, when they win, enjoy the damn win. Yeah, then because part of it was because of him. I don't understand they, people being like, <laughs> They won in spite of Jenkins. I'm not sure that's true. The
2: issue with the timeout at the end of the game still bob You mean the, me. one the one that worked? The one that worked, that uh, John ja Morant was able to go set it up on his end of the
0: floor and go make something happen at the rim. The timeout worked. It was fine. Listen, when he makes mistakes, sure, we can talk about the mistakes that he makes, but in a game like last night you're and doing a little bit too much if you're finding the negative. All, all,
2: yeah, I agree with you. And all this is to say, I, I do agree with your sentiment, and we've talked about this before. Like, in the end of the day, how many times have we seen with NBA head coaching where, you know, you have a guy who builds you up to a certain level, they don't exceed that level, and you have to find somebody else who can push them into the stratosphere. Right. I think we could have that situation with Taylor Jenkins. Yeah. I'm just not quite ready to generalize and make that statement outright. But we will see as the season goes along. He has John Morant in the lineup. I think a lot of the excuses that we were able to use with injuries and everything else through the first 25 games, those are out the window. Sure. So this is Taylor Jenkins' time to show, to prove to a lot of the naysayers, a lot of other people, that he can do this job right. It could go well. It could go bad. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep an eye
0: on it. Yeah, so also, real quick, one more thing on Vince Williams Jr. He's shooting 44% from three. (laughs) 44% 44% from 3 is last and 10 and 39, he's up to 39% on the season now. And for the month of December, he's shooting 45%. And then
2: uh, last night too, another thing that, that was pretty apparent cuz Dez did turn it on in the second half. Um, yes, Dez the was Grizzlies really good in the, the Grizzlies half. big 3 combined for a lot of points last night. They all scored 20, Josh ja scored of course 30. But last night the way they did it, that doesn't seem like it's going to be an outlier. Because there was some struggles from from Dez throughout that first half. It feels like they can consistently get that type of output offensively from all three of those guys. Obviously not every single night is it going to be as good as it was last night. But I think that twenty
0: twenty twenty is something we're gonna see a lot more often
2: going forward.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know, I do think we haven't talked about Jaron yet, but he was very good last night. Jaron was very good last night, especially on the defensive end of the floor. He had twenty four points. And like you said, I think a positive sign of last night's game was that those three guys, twenty one points, thirty-four points, twenty-four points, that's replicable. It's not yes, difficult exactly. for them to do. We've seen them do it many a time. And if those three guys show up, they will have a chance to win most games because John Morant, when he is out there at any moment, he can be the best player on the floor. I don't care who you're playing against most teams. He will be the best player on the floor, unless you're playing a Nikola Jokic or somebody like that. So you're going to have a chance to win. And that's where we can go back to a Jenkins conversation here. He's got to start maximizing this roster. If you're losing – Five games in a row, six games in a row with John Morant back, then we can have real discussions about whether he is the long term solution for this basketball team. The first game after John gets back and after a win, I'm not, I'm not, I I just, that's not how I want to spend today. I would much rather spend today celebrating last night, the return of John Morant. He looked great. He certainly (laughs) did look like he put on some muscle mass, which is good. The playmaking was immediately there. The team looked three point, happy. The
2: three-point is not fixed yet. No, well, his leg. You could, you
0: could tell that his, he's still kind of getting his legs back. But this is also the second night of back-to-back.
2: <laughs> no, no. it also – and also looking forward to this Pacers game tomorrow night, Pacers are going to be on a back-to-back. So it actually looks good for the Grizzlies on their home floor where they have only have one win all year where they could get another win tomorrow night, go 2-0 and in the Ja Morant, uh, you know – era of this season, and John Moran could get a win on, on the home floor, season debut. It's going to be amazing. That whole thing. I can't wait. Um, the other thing that I – and you get this a lot, too. You get this a lot. Well, I, I'm tired of using the excuses of injuries. You can't use the uh, Brandon Clark and Steven Adams excuse. The one thing I'd say to people out there that still have that thought process, that's not an excuse. That's a reality. You have your entire front court decimated. <laughs> That's why this news from Brandon Clark that we'll talk about once we get to the uh, to the Blitz, that's why that news is so massive is because you finally want to reintegrate those guys, get that front court back to where it has been the past two years when you led the league in second-chance opportunities and points, led the league in offensive rebounding. It's not an excuse. That's a reality of the situation. You can't call it an excuse when it really is just tough when you're losing, when you don't have uh, two of the top three front court members on your team for a year and a year plus for an entire season seemingly so that's not an excuse that is just what the situation is and i don't think you can really take taylor jenkins to task and say that he's using that as an excuse or a crutch it's not a crutch it is truthful it is, it is. I don't know a lot of coaches that would be able to have a, a successful front court without two of their
0: three best players. Yeah, I mean, I read off the stat yesterday in in the NBA this season. The Grizzlies have had 23 games where five or more players have missed time. The second most is 10. Yeah. that is how decimated they have been by injuries this season. Have they not been maximizing the roster fully? Sure, I can be in, I can you know I can have those conversations with you. I can have the conversations about the personnel wasn't ready to endure a few injuries. Like, should yes. it have freefall the way it did? Probably not, but it did, and the injuries are the reason it did. Like that is why that happened. If Brandon Clark and Steven Adams were healthy, this team would not be. And also, and I,
2: I think there's some some way you can look at that as a positive. As okay. You've seen the shortcomings of the auxiliary pieces on this. Team. So go fix it. Go make changes. Yeah. Go fix it. And I think. Without these injuries, maybe you don't necessarily see it that way if you're the Grizzlies front office. So maybe there will be some changes, some sweeping changes, as we get to the trade deadline, maybe this offseason.
0: I think it's very clear that there are some wings on this team that do not need to be on this team moving forward. They're just, I'm not sure there's a spot for them on a contending team. Is there a spot for them in, in the NBA? Maybe, but on a contending team where you've got to show up every single night and produce... I'm just not sure if that's going to happen for a few of these wing guys. So, you need to consolidate. You do need to make a move. You have a few pieces that it sounds like other teams might be interested in. It's not going to be some sexy move, I think. I just, I'm not sure if that's realistic right now for the Grizzlies with the assets that they have. They have good picks, they just don't have good players, which is, you know, I understand that to be a problem. To make some big sexy move, you might have to move off somebody like Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. And to your point, I'm not sure the front office is quite there yet. They might get there by the end of the season. I just don't know if that's how they're thinking right now. I can tell you I'm pretty positive that X, Z, Conchar, and Laravia are probably being chopped wherever they could possibly get chopped.
2: I think tough moments will facilitate change Yeah, within this roster, but we're just going to have to wait and see what that looks like. Again, trade deadline offseason. let's get
0: to some Tigers. Ooh. Tigers are 9-2 and two with four top 25 wins. David Jones has been incredible. Javon Quinterly continues to show up. If you get a look at early bracketology, they've been discussed as a high as a three seed, and now with the schedule lightening up, lots of debate about the power and ability of the team as compared to teams in the past. That includes a debate on whether or not this is the best team since 2008. So my question to you, this is the best Memphis basketball team since 2008. Overreaction, not an overreaction.
2: I'm going to press down on the brakes a little bit overreaction. I'm gonna, Hater, I'm going to press, gonna press down on the, uh, the overreaction button there. Uh, because I just think it's incomplete. I, I think once, when, when we talk about success of a team, and if this is the best team in some period of time in the history of a program, you do have to see what the results look like once they get to the NCAA tournament because the year after um, 08 – uh, when they went to the national championship, they were thirty-three and four. They finished in the AP poll at number three. They lost in the Elite Eight. And that was, you know, Tyreek Evans and, and Tone and all these different guys that were great, that were fantastic and knew how to play tournament basketball, knew how to play regular season basketball, barely had any slip-ups. So I I I think that team is fantastic. We just have to be careful with making a sweeping generalization eleven games into the season. Now I want to. I do want to go on the positive note here. Seventy-seven fifty-four against the number twenty-two team in the country and a Virginia team who's really hard to get out of their element. All Memphis did the entire game was get Virginia out of their element. You could tell from the opening tip-off what was about to happen. They started up ten to one, and in the on-ball pressure leading to the runaways, the takeaways. They had seventeen turnovers against the. Uh, uh, against that that Virginia team. That Virginia team has not gotten to seventeen or eighteen turnovers since twenty twenty. And the Tigers ran out and got 27 points off those turnovers. And here's the thing. I think there's been a lot of discussion over the years about Penny Hardaway as an X's and O's game planning coach. You saw the growth in the game planning, and he knows exactly what he's doing at this point. He saw a team that tries to slow you down, doesn't want to have a lot of possessions, and what did he do? He said, guard them up close. We're going to play a 10-man rotation. We're going to keep you all fresh. Just make sure that they are uncomfortable as possible and make mistakes with the basket. It was simple. It was a simple game plan he threw out there. And also, when you look at Virginia, well, something that just throws me off, and I heard Mark Giannato refer to this, um, at one point, Virginia has to switch to a zone. That's that, Tony Bennett doesn't do that. You broke them. Yes, you broke them completely. Like I, I, I saw Tony Bennett switch to a zone because you're getting these easy looks consistently easy looks, and maybe it had to do with athleticism from David Jones, who's playing like an All-American right now, um, Javon Quinterly setting the, setting the table for everybody else, um, but you were getting easy looks on the offensive end that no one gets against Virginia, no matter what the team is looking like. They always drag you into the mud. Tigers didn't allow them to do that. We talked about pace being the focal point of that game. The Tigers played at their pace for 40 full minutes. And you saw it. They never, they never had a deficit. They were never having to come from behind. And they smacked them around from start to finish.
0: Yeah, it was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen from a Memphis Tigers team. You know, that's why I, I sent out a tweet last night that said, this might be the best team since 2008. I think they're in that territory. Do we know yet? Not sure that, you know, we got to see what this run looks like here, how many wins they can rack up. They are favored in every single game until that FAU game at the end of the season. So they have the potential to be in the same territory as the 08, 09 team and some teams in the past who have gone, ah. gone deep in the tournament. So can they do that? Maybe. I think that we at least can say we think that they have the talent and the experience to do it. They they certainly have the look of a team that can make that type of run. What I've learned through 11
2: games, and also, by the way, first time since – if you wanted to make the best team since 08 conversation very real, first time since 08 NCAA tournament that the Tigers have won three straight games against AP Top 25 teams, there's your case. You know what I mean if you were going to make that case. um, But what I've learned about this team – is I don't really I, I don't I'm not putting a cap on what they can accomplish. Right. I don't think
0: there is a cap. Well, especially with Tomlin, like we like, just don't know what yeah, that's going to look you
2: like. You can you can reach for the stars here. Naquan Tomlin, they're going to have a week off before they they deal with uh, uh before they deal with um Vandy, or well from Vandy to Austin P. That's what I'm talking about. It's four day layoff and then they're going to have a week off going to Austin P. maybe he'll get involved before that. Once he gets in there, running up and down the floor, I think it'll be a seamless transition. You need to add to your front court. He's a perfect front court addition. Like, I I don't think there's anything that's off the table for this Memphis Tiger basketball team. Because they've also, like, sometimes, like when they were playing in the Conference USA, right, you had these conversations behind the scenes of, oh, well, have they played in a good enough schedule? Have they played good enough teams to really – have us believe in them by the time they get to the tournament. This team has played murderous row. This team has played everybody they needed to play. And they've gotten through it in a just unbelievable way. Nine and two through 11 games with four top 25 wins. You've seen them play the best of best competition. So you feel good about the NCAA tournament. You can't use that knock against them. I guess the knock will be by the time we get there is, oh, well, through their conference slate, they have not played a great schedule. It's been a while since they've played those good teams, but they played those good teams and they competed and they won against those good teams at the beginning of the year. Uh, by the time we get to March, so um, I, I think everything's out there in front of them, and it's a very—you it, it, should be excited. I don't—I don't think yeah. there's any reason not to. Like I don't think you should hide your expectations. I think that whatever expectation you have of this team is is
0: relatively fair. Enjoy today. Yeah. you've earned it Memphis fans have earned it the Grizzlies fans have earned it Memphis football fans have earned it it's been a tough it's been tough like it hasn't been easy you know and last night was a night that you can enjoy and it's okay to enjoy it it's it's the Grizzlies may not win a whole bunch here coming up but they won last night man and John Morant had that buzzer beater in that special moment and the the joy was back to that basketball team and the Memphis Tigers whooped Virginia's ass yes. enjoy it. Yes.
2: Enjoy it, and I, I think also like just looking at Tony Bennett on the sideline, he realized pretty quick.
1: Yeah, he was like, "Oh, he this was is in a problem. He <laughs> was in for
2: a night from absolute hell." He knew that the Tigers were just going to run up and down, and then hearing him after the game, and like obviously they had an extended shake. Him and him and Penny at, at center court, and. You could definitely tell that Tony Bennett is saying this team is for real. Like his eyes are wide open. This team is the length, the athleticism, the offensive ability, it's all there. I also was very happy to see this because I I mentioned it earlier in the week um, after that Clemson. I mentioned it on Monday after the Clemson win. Um, Malcolm Dandridge. Man, so good. Hats off. So good. Nine points, eight rebounds, two assists, um, three steals, and he's getting out in transition. He's running the floor at a high level. I, I just asked the question yet again, where the hell would this team be in the front court without him? With the Jordan Brown news and the Jordan Brown thing playing out the way it did, Malcolm Dandridge deserves all the flowers in the world. This is a fifth-year guy who has been hurt by injuries consistently, who's never been able to play the amount of minutes he's playing this year. He's doing it, and he's doing it at a high-level game in, game out. He's using the experience and his know-it-all and his his uh, his – understanding of the game to his advantage, finally. And I love, love to see that. And I I also saw after the game, he said this is the most fun he's ever had in Memphis. And he deserves it. He deserves it. Because I can't imagine, I cannot imagine his first four years with all of the issues, you know, off the court with team chemistry, with, you know, the, the reality not meeting expectation with the injuries he was dealing with. I can imagine the first four years not being the most fun time of his life. Right. And to see it all come back around in his final year, that's happy for him. Very, very happy
0: for him. Bounce back game from Mills, too. Yes. Bounce back game. And
2: again, like this goes back to the the depth conversation. How many guys have a guy like Caleb Mills coming off the bench? In the country. How many teams have a guy like Caleb Mills? You can get just I mean, so far this year, nine points per game off the bench. <laughs> Shooting 37% from three. He can get to his mid-range spots. He can handle the ball. How many people have a guy like that? Not many. So this team is in good hands. Be excited. Uh, I'm not going to shoot down any expectations because I think the expectations
0: should be high for what this team can accomplish. Really excited to see what Tomlin looks like with this team. For sure.
2: No question about it. No question about it. Now we need to go ahead and get to a break. And we have a couple of things to talk about. Early signing day for uh, Memphis football and, uh, you know, for football around the country is today. And then we have the uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium resolution. It did not come without some drama. We got to where we needed to go, but there was some drama along the way. We'll discuss it when we return. 92.9 FM ESPN. (laughs)
1: Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: So today is early signing day for all those high school recruits and transfer portal recruits that want to get their recruiting process over with. And there's a lot of drama that comes with it. I, I think that uh, being that we have the early signing day and then the regular signing day, we've taken a little luster away from signing day in general. Um, but when you look at the city of Memphis and what's going on with Memphis football, I, I'm sorry you can't look past it. Um, I understand that there's some people that are frustrated with the way things have gone. Uh, before this 9-3 and three season, there was two six and 6-6 six seasons in a row. Um, and you seem to lose more in the transfer portal than you gained. But based on last year... Um, and all of the guys that they brought in that were that were transfers. Uh, Blake Watson, Xavier Hill along the uh, offensive line. Um, you know, in the defensive secondary, you had Simeon Blair, you had Malik Feaster, you had all these different guys that made impacts um, that were via the transfer portal. So they seemed to gain a lot more last year than they did in the past as opposed to what they lost. Like you didn't even feel the loss of Caden Prescorn, even though you thought that you would. Um, but they gained a lot more, and you saw the results on the back end. It ended a 9-3 and three bid to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. This year, similar. This year feels just about the exact same. Everything they've lost, they've lost Davion Carter. They've lost McKylan Pounders. You feel uncomfortable about that. But when you look at what they've added, they've added 14 transfer portal recruits, and that is good for the rival's 12th transfer portal class in the country. And the teams that they're around, don't make a mistake about it, they should probably not be around considering who they are as a program. This is a group of five program that generally is not the top of anybody's list on the recruiting trail. But they're right there at 12th. They're around Kentucky, Kentucky. Uh, They're ahead of Notre Dame, they're ahead of Arkansas, ahead of Oklahoma, ahead of Cal, ahead of Cincinnati, ahead of Indiana, Mizzou, who's had a good transfer portal season, they're ahead of. They have 14 commits, and they've found commits in the right ways in the right ways. They have Mario Anderson, who is sort of the head of the, uh, the entire class. He was a transfer from South Carolina, a running back, who picked Memphis over USC and Oklahoma. Then you have a kicker. You have a punter. You brought in some defensive line help. You have Kedrel Lewis, who was a starter at Louisiana Monroe along the O-line. Trent Holler, who was a starter at Marshall along the offensive line. They have brought in a lot of guys who have experience at their previous stops, in FBS football, and it's been damn impressive to watch this staff put together this, uh, this recruiting class. And, and I think it, not, it need not be overlooked because this means something. Um, they have learned from their ills of the past, it feels like, Ryan and this staff, and they're not going to go through a transfer portal recruiting cycle and not get back more than what they lost.
0: It seems like they just immediately understood that they had to recoup the losses of the offensive line. I know that made you happy.
2: Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, there's still more to find, and, and these guys certainly have to fit in. But when you go to find old linemen in the transfer portal, you're finding guys who have experience, whether they were had experience uh, at LSU like Xavier Hill or experience at Marshall like Trent Holler, who they just signed. You have to find guys who have played high-level Division One FBS football, and they have found that. Now, What it's going to look like going into next year, I don't know. But you have recouped some of your losses on the offensive line, and you found a back that you can latch on to for another year because Blake Watson is a massive loss. No one has to act like it isn't. You bring in a guy who decided to commit to Memphis over USC and Oklahoma. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So keep paying attention to it. There may be some late additions here, but I think there's 35 guys officially via transfer portal and via high school that they have signed today um most of those lists are up already just make sure you go over to twitter or the artist formerly known as twitter x now simmons bank liberty stadium on that same front on that memphis football front is now in the hands ownership has been passed to the university of memphis let's get a round of applause there now i never really had crazy doubts that this would happen although we did delay it it felt like we were impeding progress um You know, the first time around, they delayed it until the 19th. Yesterday was the 19th, and we had our separate issues. And ultimately what it came down to is um, Fred Jones, who is the executive director of the Southern Heritage Classic. Uh, that we have once a year in the city, a great event, a moneymaker. We love it. We absolutely love having Fred Jones and the Southern Heritage Classic in this city at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. But what it came down to is he did not feel the amended deal yesterday was supportive. He says it's not very supportive of the Southern Heritage Classic. The document, the amended deal, would extend his lease for four years and then up to three years after that. And he wanted more assurances on the back end. The only issue I ran into, and I think most people ran into, is in the end of the day, if the other option is to not transfer over Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium to the University of Memphis and keep it in the city of Memphis's hands, why are we being hung up on a game that gets played once a year in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium? Why are we being hung up by something that, that generally – you know, even compared to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, is not the same type of money maker. Why are we being hung up by Fred Jones and simply the Southern Heritage Classic, when the reality of the situation is to make everything happen, to get the donation from Fred Smith, to to uh, update and get the renovations at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium and ultimately at FedEx Forum? This needs to happen. Why are we letting this one impediment, small impediment? get in the way because they gave you assurances of up to seven years of a lease, but you just did not like that deal as it was currently constructed. Now, we could resume if especially I think there was some conversations about them um, getting the deal through. And then the next two weeks, they find a better amended deal that Fred Jones may like more. But in the end of the day, it got through Um, But it was not without drama, Connor, and I I thought that drama was going to hold us up, and that would have been a very frustrating feeling.
0: It would have been extremely frustrating, but the good news is, is it did not get held up, and something that was not a long time coming, but needed to happen, happened, and we can move forward with progress in the city of Memphis, we can continue to try to get the University of Memphis into a new conference by making those renovations as as good as they can be. We can continue to have conversations with the Grizzlies to make sure that their lease continues and that they are here for a long term. It's going to help the economy of the city. Thumbs up. Big win.
2: Yes, I think it will help us tremendously. It will help the Tigers continue to recruit. and I think the the recruiting will help. I think um, uh, ultimately getting these renovations in definitely does that. Um, And then, you know, when we're talking about Power 5 and potential conference realignment – we, we certainly need to, to go down those paths because it looks like the Big 12 has taken notice of what they're doing. I don't know what that means, ultimately. I am very cynical about all of those conversations because of being left behind in the For past. For good reason. But yeah. at the same time, something that
0: needed to happen happened, and I am, I am overjoyed. I'm happy about it. I'm very, very happy. About it was, it. again, last night, it just felt like, you know— continued hope for the Memphis Tigers basketball program because I do think if you if you had to ask which of the three programs you feel the best about it's probably the Memphis Tigers and I really do think that Penny Hardaway At this point, deserves to be talked about as a premier coach in college basketball because that's what he is. Go look at his resume. Go look to see what he has done at the University of Memphis. It's very similar to what Cal did when he was here his first few seasons, which is a very good thing if you're a Memphis. The case is made, but it's been made for a while. Right. It's just, but last night really felt like you know the Tigers arrived on a national. Scene. Like, people yep. were like, oh, okay, this is a team you have to take seriously. And then you had the Grizzlies finally having a moment of hope. And then you have the stadium renovations going through. So it gives hope for the city of Memphis and the University of Memphis as a whole.
2: Yep. And the city, I mean, just the Happy city. holidays. Yes, yeah, seriously. And before, before the new year. So we can celebrate this, get into the new year, and, and be positive, hopefully, about where the city is headed. Now, all these things need to be discussed further. Um, and I, I know nobody better to discuss them with. Then Jeff Calkins. Jeff Calkins is next, 929 FM ESPN.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Mm-hmm.